Welcome to another episode of our SaaS Stories podcast. I am your host Ash and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies and insights to help you build, launch and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to Kate, the founder of Exportate, with a strong background as an in-house lawyer for a prominent international company. Kate's motivation to embark on this journey stems from her experience in supporting a social enterprise's expansion into international markets. Witnessing the transformative power of global trade on businesses, Kate developed passion for helping companies maximize their potential in the global marketplace. However, she has recognized the challenges that come during her time as a legal professional. Kate spent countless hours navigating complex export regulations and assessing the risks associated with entering new markets. While writing numerous reports on export compliance and optimization, she realized that these resources often failed to provide value to individuals without a legal background, such as supply chain coordinators and project managers. Determining to simplify the process, Kate found it expedite. So, I hope you enjoy. Okay, Kate, welcome to the show. Good to see you, Ash. Glad to be here. Cheers. So, do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you that you can share? Uh, yeah, sure. So, it's a quote by uh, the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, it goes uh, like this. In every position I've been in, there have been naysayers who don't believe I can do the work. And I feel a special responsibility to prove them wrong. So, <laughs> yes, that's what motivates me. Like, uh, I, I used to be a lawyer for uh, five years, so don't hold that against me. But uh, in, in that role, I, <laughs> I had to prove people wrong several times. Like, and I derived, up, uh, I am motivated by that, actually. Uh, that's, uh, that's what primarily motivates me in run, in run my startup, Expedite, uh, which I have been doing for almost a year now. And at, at the beginning, there were people that who didn't think I could do it, who didn't think I could run a SaaS business whilst being a lawyer. But yes, I'm, I'm, I kept proving them wrong on a daily basis, and that's what kind of motivates me. Wow, that's interesting. So, so tell us about Expedite then. What does the product or service do? Who is it for? And what's the main problem you are helping solve? Uh, sure. Well, you probably heard of Brexit. <laughs> so, many of our listeners have. And uh, since uh, it happened, a lot of uh, British companies have struggled with selling internationally. And, and they probably they still want to sell internationally, but due to the confusion, some customs regulations and customs duties, so difficult, like, uh, it's become so difficult, in fact, after Brexit, that one in five British companies have stopped exporting, and expo- exports are still down which does not align with the UK government's vision uh, called made in, the, made in the UK, sold to the world, which aims to get one trillion pounds in the British economy by 2030. And I, that's how I found it ex- expedite. It's, it was one of the primary problems that people were struggling with exports. And so uh, I, I was a lawyer for five years, as I said, for an international company, and uh, we did a lot of international trade. Uh, myself as a lawyer and our supply chain managers have struggled figuring out how export regulations work and how to calculate duties. But on top of that, the H- HMRC, uh, uh, His Majesty's Revenue and Customs, 
is introducing brand new changes to the customs declaration process and uh, making it completely different to what people are used to. And uh, in fact, if previously people had to fill out a form, like an input form to uh, submit a customs declaration, now they have to put together an XML file. Which, yes, yes, exactly. Which uh, not, not that many supply chain managers know how to do. You'd be surprised. <laughs> So uh, what Expedite is doing is providing an, a much easier uh, way to submit customs declarations in accordance with this new system. So, it'll, so, so that international treaties can be compliant with what's happening in the international trade world. Understood, understood. So let's, let's talk about where the story actually begins, where the idea for Expedite actually came from. But before that, I would like to know you more. I would like to know your story. What is your background, where you brought up, what kind of, you know, family you had, you close to your family, et cetera. And then how your experience, your, your, um, you know, uh, your childhood experience, your teenager experience, as well as your, uh, your experience motivated towards this particular idea. Sure. So the Kate's origin story. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, if I actually, I'm from Eastern Europe originally. And so that makes me quite different from uh, many British founders. So that's, uh, I guess that kind of puts me at a disadvantage is what some people would say. But I believe that actually it gives me a unique perspective on what's happening. Uh, because I grew up in a family of educators and have always instilled perfectionism into me. And uh, that's uh, what I've been trying to do uh, for most of my life. And I've always believed that if you're doing something, you have to do it well. And benefit someone other than you. Uh, otherwise, there's no point in doing it at all. And in terms of my childhood, well, as Eastern European country, post 90s, can imagine. At, uh, but uh, when I was in secondary school uh, in the 90s, girls were discouraged from doing IT work. And in fact, uh, for, from uh, from fifth grade till tenth grade, I wasn't studying any computer science at all because the girls were doing home economics, but the boys were doing IT. So you can imagine that was quite demotivating for me and for many other uh, girls in my position. And I'm glad to see that's changing, but that has left an unimaginable imprint on thousands of women of my generation uh, who might might have done, uh, might have run uh, technology businesses that are changing the world. And the world would have been much better as a result. Uh, my, whether that's true or not, that remains, remains to be seen. We'll never know, but still, uh, it is uh, demonstrating that they missed out on so many opportunities as a result of such societal perceptions and these harmful stereotypes. Hmm. Uh, so uh, uh, the I first moved uh, to the UK when I was 15. I was alone. I didn't know anyone. Uh, so I, I missed a couple of years, skipped a couple of years at school. Uh, so I started uni quite young. Uh, and I graduated uh, from Exeter a long time ago, 10 years ago, believe it or not. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so, and, uh, first, uh, and then I moved back to the UK uh, last year to start Expedite because I saw the acute issues that were happening with Brexit and uh, with uh, traders not understanding what's happening. And uh, as prior to say, for, for five years, the Dutch company, which sold very complex hardware and software. And I had this first hand knowledge of how this should work and uh, what kind of things people are looking for uh, when they're looking for answers to these uh, acute questions. Yeah, that's how Enspot I began. Nice. That's a, that's a really interesting story. I mean, um, I have interviewed a couple of um, 
people in the past who came from uh, different parts of the world uh, as a second generation. There are very few people in England um, who have interviewed who are first generation and they are already into this business uh, space and they're doing really good. So kudos to that. Yeah. Yes. So tell me more about it. What sort of challenges? So when you were working with the big multinational companies, and when you decided uh, to move up, move away from them, and then come uh, and then this uh, journey of expertise started, what was the precise challenge, or or I would say one of the precise challenge, which is like the biggest issue at the moment for people? in UK, for businesses in UK to export to not just in Europe, but all around the world. Yeah. And what are the processes they have to go through and how does Export help them to, to minimize their effort or, or minimize or, or reduce the amount they have to spend on that and then certainly bring their benefits? Uh, sure. Well, I would say that the biggest challenges are faced by small and medium businesses. Who are, who are most likely making amazing products that uh, would do very well uh, abroad. But uh, due to the ch regulatory challenges and lack of clarity around export regulations, they, they don't do it. So they're missing out on these huge revenue opportunities they could have from international trade. So I would say that the, the, most, uh, acute, the most significant pain point for them uh, is not knowing where to begin and or what to do, what they want to do, how to, uh, how to start exporting in the first place. Uh, because after Brexit, it, it's gotten very different. And uh, what, what they currently have to do uh, is that they're still using the old HMRC system, but that's been retired, as I said in November, and uh, it's going to be very different from then onwards. So they have to contend with that as well. So that would be an additional challenge for many, for all UK companies that sell abroad. And what Expedite is doing is that uh, we, are, we are providing a very uh, comprehensive uh, SaaS system that makes it very simple to do. Without uh, they use having to put together any XML files or any other nonsense, and so uh, the idea behind these innovations, uh, the export innovations that HMRC is doing, is excellent, and it goes hard and hard with digital transformation that of the British government. But uh, it's one thing to have an excellent idea, and quite another thing to have a core execution. So uh, what we're trying to do is that the British government uh, towards uh, the exporters. Uh, that can that can benefit from the innovations that the government is creating, but I'm providing a better way to do so. That makes sense. Indeed, indeed, I got this. And and British government is usually blamed for that that they come up with different ideas and they're very very poor. Yes, there's one thing to have a good initiative, but you have to execute it well to for it to actually have any real added value. It's like with this new trade deal with uh, called CPTPP that UK has joined. And as the trade minister has correctly pointed out, it's a good deal, but only as good as the people using it. Oh, okay. Well, so what is it? C P C C P T T T. Not pronounced. It's called C P T. Comprehensive and progressive agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. Aha! Got it. Got it. Would you like to unwrap a little bit more about it? Because I think our listeners would love to hear what what this. Just very high level. We don't have to go deep into it, and then you know how it can benefit more more businesses. Uh, sure. Uh, so UK is the first European country to join uh, this uh, trade alliance. Uh, so that includes uh, I 
I think it's Australia and New Zealand, uh, some South American countries and some Asian countries as well. So what they enjoy, the benefits they enjoy is uh, free trade, like uh, they do trade tariffs as well. So when you sell something abroad, you don't have to pay a huge, uh, huge customs duty as a result. And you don't have to wait for goods at, uh, to stay there at the customs for three months. And then uh, instead of, it will be fast-tracked as a result of a trade deal. Uh, so yes, that's the overall benefits, I would say. And I think, as, as far as I remember, uh, the UK's trade deal with New Zealand also allows uh, UK uh, traders to participate in uh, public procurement of New Zealand on equal footing with New Zealand uh, Kiwi businesses as well. That's one of trade deals I've ever seen, actually, with, between uh, UK and New Zealand. Because, uh, in fact, New Zealand, New Zealand loves British cars, according to trade. So they buy a lot of Jaguars. So uh, one of the focuses of the new trade deal with New Zealand is, is sustainability. Uh, so if uh, you're a startup in the UK that, producing, that produces climate, che climate change solutions, you can uh, export them to New Zealand at a reduced, uh, uh, trade, of, at, at a reduced trade tariff, and you have any uh, customs, custom hurdles as a result of the trade deal. But the thing is, people don't know about trade deals and how they can help them. So uh, it's kind of bridging the gap as well. We allow submissions of stipulations in a seamless way, in a new way that HMRC wants. But we also provide gui guidance as to how trade deals can benefit uh, traders in the UK and what measures they have to take into account, depending on what they're expecting. Got it. Got it. But this is very good because I think that opens a lot of doors for our for our UK businesses to export to these countries where we already have this in place and our government is trying to help export things which is already in demand in these countries right absolutely yes yeah and, uh, UK goods, well people love UK goods around the world people love cheddar frankly I love cheddar and some people even like marmite I don't understand that but some people do <laughs> <laughs> but you know, people will, people will, you know, put a lot of comments underneath this uh, podcast. If I say that I don't actually, um, you know, like uh, the chocolate, uh, uh, what do you call it? In the Starbucks, you, you go and you have a cup of chocolate, hot chocolate. I, I really don't like it, but I'm going to get a lot of, of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Okay, great stuff. So when when you had this epiphany, you looked into the market, were there other products? What was actually going on at that time? And what did you see from your research that encouraged you to go ahead with this idea? Sure. Uh, well, I started validating the market a couple of years ago. And at the time, the HMRC's initiative was still quite new. So they were with a few competitors. And uh, most of these competitors, they're Belgian companies or Dutch companies. So they focus on Euro European single markets customs issues. And they have UK offices, but uh, UK customs is, is not the main focus of business. Uh, but there's, it has a huge scope of like, UK regulations and Brexit and HMRC changes. You really need your own division to manage all this compliance. So it is growing now. So I have more competitors now, but uh, I feel like I'm more in a uh, more equal play field with them than I was uh, a couple of years ago when I was just setting out. Yeah, yeah, and and but so so tell me more thing about when when you started 
even if you had less competitors now as after a couple of years when you're more grown up you have better or more competitor um, do you have a particularly USP you know uh, or 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 with comparison to your competitors which differentiates your product sure uh well uh, first of all if a couple of USPs actually firstly I'm I'm a lawyer so I know this first hand because I was an international lawyer and a lot of these companies uh, they were created by developers who are excellent on the technical side but they don't have the uh, unique expertise required uh, to be to understand how customs regulation works and uh, secondly well uh, uh, we are we are very young but have ambition uh, to become a one-stop shop for whatever you uh, UK businesses need in terms of international trade whether it's export compliance whether it's up any regulation uh, or calculate customs duties uh, related to the, what they're exporting. Uh, so uh, yes, that's I would say that's our USP. Well, I guess me, me as yeah, yeah, I don't agree with that because when when you have the expertise which is not available easily in market, that becomes the USP. Uh, yeah, you need to have efficient rate. Yeah, that's to the point. Okay. So can you, can you give us a sense of the size of the business? Where are you in terms of a number of customers or the team size or something? Sure. Uh, well, uh, I, I incorporated uh, about a year ago. Uh, so at, at, at the moment, is, it is just me. So I'm a sole founder. I, I'm strapping everything. <laughs> and I, I'm actually a sole founder at the Leon IT, uh, but not from an IT background. So uh, I'm very grateful for no code solutions that can help a lot of founders like me to validate their MVP. So the tool I used is called Bubble. It's it's excellent for building web apps. Um, it's a no-code tool, and I think that it can help a lot of founders, especially female founders who might not come from tech, but want to productize their brain, productize their expertise. And no-code solutions like Bubble or Glide, if you're in mobile app space, they can do it really well. So what I did in the first few months is that I, I, built, I built the MVP in Bubble, and I I also tested it against HMRC software, and I got the approval from HMRC just before Christmas last year to be a monotonous provider of the new software. So we are listed on a directory of uh, provide, uh, providers, if anyone wants to see. <laughs> uh, so, and at the moment, I'm offering the SaaS uh, software as a service, and I'm also offering consultancy services for people who have never done uh, exports before, or imports even who are new to international trade and want some help now customs declarations i can talk i can talk to through about uh, a use case i had recently you fancy that oh yeah, yeah definitely i mean what i want to do is i want to unwrap on this uh, this no code tool which you've been using to develop your app because a lot of our list founders and now they yeah. have challenges where they want to create this um, product or or models which you know, uh, which they had in their brains as an idea for a very, very long time. But it's very, very difficult or expensive to hire programmers or developers to create these kind of um, tools or platforms. But yes. after, you know, this particularly uh, me, uh, you know, to understand more. How did you do that with the help of uh, companies? And yes. what is yes. the, how long was the learning curve? And what were the, what were the, uh, I would say, 
better uh, features or, 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 or options you've had in Bubble, which lets you choose it as a no-code solution compared to hiring a developer or hiring somebody who can do it. Sure. Uh, well, I've, I learned about Bubble just before COVID started. Um, I've been playing around with it for a while, creating small websites for myself or for fun. And uh, then my, the best thing about it is you don't have to know any code to operate it. So it, it does have plugins for uh, incorporating J JavaScript into it if you want. But if, if even if you've never done any code, you can use it. And mm. uh, so the learning curve for, curve for me was a bit steep because I had to figure out how HMRC software works before I would bridge it with Bubble. So that was a tricky part. But uh, without that, I didn't have to do that Bubble learning bubble and would have taken me about three months to figure out especially if if you're really driven if you really want to do it you can easily learn it in two or three months if you are founder and i guess the best aspect of it is uh well the interface is really easy to use it's just drag and drop if anyone's ever used trello if it's very similar to that so you can add buttons uh, you can add workflows and you can add input forms and so uh, powerful web applications have been built in bubble Mm. Actually, if even even not just MVP MVPs, uh, but a lot of MVPs as well. Uh, so uh, I would say it also allows integrations with APIs. So if you have some external application you want to integrate, you can do it very easily, thanks to about several plugins of Bubble. Uh, so yes, if you are not a non-technical founder, uh, but you have an entrepreneurial mindset and you have this awesome idea, but you don't know how to put your brain into the product, Bubble is. Bubble is the answer. Yeah. So how much did, so before you started with Bubble, have you spoken with anybody? Did you get, had, had any quotes to, to, to develop your software? And then have you compared it? Like how, how much it cost to do it on Bubble and how much it was costing without it? Uh, sure. Well, uh, Bubble actually charges about 30 bucks per month, $30 per month, but they, uh, if, if you're using some APIs, uh, you have to pay for uh, the API fee, of course. That's not associated with Bubble. HMRC's APIs are free. They take a while to get it. So it, it might not have cost a lot in terms of money, but it costs a lot in terms of time. Because of the, what I said, it's the HMRC was the trickiest bit, to be honest. Um, so, so what was the rest of your question? I was just I was just wondering, did you actually uh, go into the market and and bought some quotations from any developers or or agencies to do their or do your product? Yes, they were all with MK. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, and it was MVP for thirty days. And was it really expensive? Um, no. Uh, I I mean I I had I had an an agency which specialized in bubble apps because I need some help on the deep end integrations with HMRC. And uh, it costs less than less than a, a, a thousand pounds overall. And I'm still paying a Bubble's monthly fee to host the application. They host on AWS. Uh, but uh, that's the extent of uh, software costs, um, not including API, APIs. Okay, great stuff, great stuff. So yes. let's, let's, let's move on to the, move on to, um, um, to 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 the skills which you bring into the into the business. So as a founder, what are the principles or values you are adamant about upholding in your company, and how will they shape the culture and direction of the company? 
remember, even though you are a single owner right now, you're really hiring people yeah. because your business is growing, right? And a founder has to be very, very according in terms of what value or culture you want to grow your company. So have to bottom of it, or you already already have that. Yes. Yes, our values are specified. Uh, openness is uh, one of the main ones. We are always wait that we are always open to new information and new ideas, whether it's from our internal stakeholders or our customers, and certainly uh, communication. Uh, I I like to think that with the, when you export something, you're carrying your message into the world, and we want to make it gets there without any hassle. And uh, to to get there, we listen really, really to what you need and what what your pain points are, what you're struggling with, and on the basis of that information, we, have, we figure out how we can help our clients. And also innovation, of course. But uh, in, in our case, we believe that innovation uh, is goes very closely with simplicity. So it's uh, two of our values, innovation and simplicity. Because we want to make risk uh, trade compliance simple and as simple as possible. So people don't have to read thousands of hours reading guides and legislations. Uh, so, and, uh, you want to use uh, to make to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. And you, when we when we were talking about um, how you're helping businesses, you mentioned about the use case. Would you be would you be able to share that use case with us, uh, with our listeners, and explain how how Expedite actually helped help uh, them and then uh, got the benefit out of? Yes, of course. Uh, so it was a private client, a, a consultancy client. So and uh, they they had a relative who passed away in the United States, and uh, they had a will uh, uh, where my client was bequeathed uh, several items. But since my client was living in the UK, they were unsure on how to bring these items back to the UK from the US in terms of customs clearance. So I don't know if you know, but with inherited goods, you don't have to pay any duties, but you do have to fill out special forms if you bring them into the UK. Uh, so I have I helped in the customs clearance forms and uh, uh, explained what they need to, to do in terms of documentation formalities. Uh, but the, here, this, where the challenge came in, they were using a, a big delivery company to bring the goods in, uh, but the delivery company was not aware that a special customs procedure was required for inherited goods, which was quite unusual, and we have spent a couple of weeks convincing them. This was not an issue of transfer of residence, which is a different customs procedure. This was an issue of inherited goods. So the uh, delivery company kept getting lost too confused, but eventually uh, it got sorted. So uh, it, is, it showed me quite just how acute the problems are with uh, uh, international trade and customs regulations, even with big company expertise. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There were use cases from uh, someone I know and my friends who, where they sent something with a large delivery operators, and in this many cases the operator didn't even know that a customs regulation was required. When I said right. Which is fencing for me, but yeah, and and I've also heard that if you're importing food or baby products, yeah. it's different than importing clothing and importing electronics and importing other things. Do you have like sort of like a spreadsheet or like a, a web page where people can go and see? For example, let's say if one of our listeners is the is from uh, textile. So I can go on your website and say, how much import duty I have to pay when I import, let's say, 100 tons of textile? 
uh, if I import uh, um, baby food, if I import uh, food item, and, yep, and maybe a drop down there where you select that origin country and country where I want to import it, which is UK, I guess, and then the type. This would you, be really helpful. Yes, exactly. We do have that feature, and it's actually available as a five-day free trial for subscribers. So what the user does is that they can look up the customs code, and then they type this code in our calculator. They type the price of the item, the insurance, the delivery cost, origin country, destination country, and click calculate. And that gives them, uh, well, uh, gives them the full duty they have to pay and the full amount and the applicable VAT. And the VAT is a big pain point for, if, especially if when you're selling to the EU, because different EU countries have different VAT rates. And after Brexit, you do actually have to pay VAT, because before, you, before it was part of the customs union, but not anymore. So you have you have to pay taxes and duties. And if, if you are selling something, you if you want to take advantage of a trade, one of the trade deals, for example, you have to uh, provide a lot of documents for rules of origin and. Uh, the term origin is different from uh, origin country and origin of manuf manufacturer. So uh, if just because you're sending something from the UK, it does mean it was manufactured in the UK. So you have to prove if you know to take advantage of preferential rates and uh, not go bankrupt with the uh, customs duties. Uh, you have to show that a percentage of your item was made manufactured in the UK. So yes, our website certainly provides that. Um, also, that. So we have a calculator and we also have a lookup tool uh, for our customs uh, for export measures from the UK. If you look up a customs code, it'll give you a list of export measures applicable. Like for example, if you're selling uh, like a biologically active supplement, it'll give you uh, an instance in uh, an explanation as to whether you need a certificate of confirming that it's organic or whether you pay a special duty if you have certain ingredients uh, as part of it. So yes, we definitely have that in place. Indeed, perfect. And I would love to have that link. If you could send me an output, that is uh, in the description of the, the podcast. And so, so we talked about import uh, exports. Is there something you? Uh, and correct me if I, I didn't understood it. You also help people who would like to import things from outside, right? I consult on it, but I don't have a SaaS setup yet because that would be a lot more complex than uh, setting up an export SaaS because HMRC requirements are very different. So yes, it's definitely in the pipeline to set up a SaaS product for that, uh, but not until uh, the last quarter of 1923 at least. But I can consult on the subject, yes. Understood, understood. Because that that might open a big uh, customer base for you because then that more of course the on you. Great stuff. So, so tell us more about what, who is your ICP, who is your ideal customer persona profile, whom you're targeting. And what are the measures you're taking right now to target them? At which different yes, platforms or, or, or live events or places you have around? Uh, to yes. <laughs> yes. So we have uh, two, two primary target groups. First one is British exporters, both new and experienced, uh, who are a bit confused by what's happening with the customs uh, regulations, but are keen to make the most of international trade. And uh, the second one is freight forwarders. Those are operators who help such exporters fit customs formalities, but they may not, not necessarily have the budget for, for an in-house system, uh, uh, software systems for customs declarations. Uh, so that's where I come in. And in terms of what I'm doing, uh, I have a LinkedIn newsletter uh, on, uh, on the export news, exports news from last week. 
So it comes out every Monday. And I also have a YouTube channel where, uh, where we announce, uh, we go over trade deals that the UK is joining. And so we also provide software tutorials for Expedite on a YouTube channel. And uh, in terms of further plan offline marketing, uh, we, are, we are going to be going global in November. So come see us around London. Oh, all right. Awesome. Are you doing any bits? Uh, yes, yes. Going global is one of them. Yes. Yeah, I would love to, love to come in to help me. Yes. And we're also putting together an online course for, for the new, about the new HMRC requirements, uh, which are coming to be in autumn. So uh, now is a good time to to, the, to do that because after November you'll you'll have to use the HMRC uh, software. But if all people don't know how to do it, so we are putting together a course to educate them on that. Indeed, and that would be really helpful for your potential customers. Absolutely. Okay, that's great. That's great. And um, so, can you um, talk more about? Um, how do you execute currently if, let's say, for example, um, if Ash comes to you and say, okay, uh, you know, hey, I would like to export, uh, I don't know, road tries. Something like that. I come to you and I say, I don't know anything about exports. Uh, I'm building 10 uh, cars in a year. I want to export it to New Zealand. What is the procedure I have to follow uh, with uh, Expedite to, in order to get uh, to all this legality that is here? Hey, yeah, sure. So uh, once you sign up uh, for uh, we charge per month and you pay the subscription fee for the first month, uh, if you don't ha have a customs code for your product, you type in uh, the description of what you're selling, like the materials and what it is in the, our portal, and it gives you a customs code. Based on, based on HMRC information, because we integrate directly with HMRC. And uh, based on that customs code, you look up all the customs measures you have to take into account. And you also can, uh, you draw calculate customs duties and taxes. Uh, like uh, if you are exported to New Zealand, I think the taxes and duties will be quite low because of the trade deal. And uh, then uh, you go on to our uh, customs declarations portal, you create a new declaration, you fill out a form, and uh, you can save this form as a template for future exports of the sort, and then you click submit, and that form goes to HMRC directly, and then you can monitor its progress. Awesome. And then once it that it goes to HMRC for the processing, yes. once it is processed, um, your platform notifies me that as your application is being approved or declined or taking more information, something like that. Yes. 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 Uh, so HMRC would process it and either request more documents, approve it, or decline for some some reason. Yeah. And, and you make then you can save the data because you will need for your future audits. Export audits can take up up to six years. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And the declaration of doing that six years, HMRC can come to you and ask for confirmation for export. Okay. Yes. And then in case, so I'm guessing. In case of decline, uh, you know, declining your request, do you help your customers to really submit it or if I say problem? Yes, absolutely. Uh, if if you don't know what the issue is, I can go over it with you, like figure out what the problem is, whether you put in the wrong warehouse uh, or or the wrong route. Like uh, if you put uh, like railway, but whether else you're actually sending by boat, that would be an error. Be one of the errors. 
and whether you forgot to upload a license for example for some reason a load share would need a license i don't know but uh if you forgot to upload it i'll definitely help you obtain it and upload it at the submit installation this is really interesting kate because you know even you know even though you say there's not competitors maybe it's because i have not uh gone into this business yet that's why i don't know but it's really interesting what you're doing because what what you're doing is I make a business owner's life easier by encapsulating that trouble with that goals and then making sure that the person focuses on the business. Yes. Which actually more value. So, and, and no matter how boring it is, no matter how, uh, you know, integrated it is with the HMRC, because most of the time when you talk about taxes or, or legalities, people yes. get, oh, this is so boring, I don't want to do it. But exactly. it, it is the business which makes a lot of money for the businesses as well as individuals. Yes, so exactly. I think this, this is really good. Um, you know, as as we are heading towards the end, I would like to know more about you. Um, and before 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 we move towards uh, you know understanding how how what, what are the different trigger points which triggered you to move to the expedite, I would like to more uh, I would like to know more about you. What what is your daily schedule? What is what is that? Because you know being the founder is not easy. No, it's not. Same energy every day, same passion every day, yes. and a lot of people just start a business just yeah you know, because they want to make money. But ultimately, they crash. Ninety-five percent startups crash because people who run them don't have either they don't have passion for the business or they just they are just there to make money. You know? There are few people like yourself who are into the businesses which they've been doing from a very long time and they're passionate about So what actually drives you every money to work on Expedite? Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, when, when, when you're self-employed, which I technically am as a director, no two days are the same because you're a founder, you're doing everything. You're doing the legal stuff, you're doing the marketing, you're doing the accounting, you're the person who has to do everything. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but on, on the other hand, what drives me is that I, you see a lot on the news about international trade these days, and it's exciting, but it's also very nerve-wracking for many people who don't know much about it, especially for farmers. Because uh, do you know that uh, from this October onwards, farmers will struggle, other farmers will struggle exporting to the EU, because the EU wants a lot of veterinary certificates, which are costly to obtain for UK farmers. So uh, that's quite a big worry for them. And uh, I guess such worries, such anxieties, and such news is such ex uh, somewhat exciting news about new trade deals, how it keeps going. Because this industry, it's, it's relatively new, and especially in the UK, it's relatively new because of Brexit. Uh, but it's, it's gonna uh, go, it's gonna grow exponentially in the last, in the next few years. And the UK government's vision uh, is to, to get uh, a lot of trillion pounds into the UK economy through exports. I totally believe it will happen. I be part of it. What makes it happen? Uh, plus, the technological innovations are also driving me. Like, I read an, a very interesting article the other day about how a artificial intelligence, AI, uh, can actually hinder a, a lot of innovations for ex exports uh, because AI 
it, it learns from the data sets that are faulty because uh, if, if it learns uh, about uh, HMRC's data uh, customs declarations from the past uh, three or five years, well, there's a big chance that this de uh, these declarations would be legally overturned as a result of HMRC audit. It has faulty data, the AI does, for each learning. So uh, some startups are offering trade tech solutions. They're focusing on AI and uh, they're using uh, data sets from the pa past five years, from past declarations. And they come legally from the point of view of the author. Like, if, some, if someone's offering you such a solution, you shouldn't take it up because the data set will be faulty and you will get a penalty as a result. Because that's what happens with compliance startups, isn't it? Uh, it's yeah. like people don't know they need it until they get a huge fine. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's what you help them to, to, you know, get rid of huge fines. <laughs> I, I want to be people uh, be, to be proactive, not reactive to compliance issues. Indeed. Okay, great. So, so throughout your journey and experience, then there must have been valuable lessons learned. Now, if you don't mind sharing, could you reflect on your experiences that tell us about one mistake or a setback that you encountered, you know, along the way that you consider a regret or not even a regret, just a lessons learned. Additionally, you know? what advice would you give our listeners based on this experience? Uh. Uh, I'll I'll start backwards. <laughs> so the advice is that well, if uh, no matter it will cost more and it will require more time than you expect. Then <laughs> find business. Uh, I think that one error, one thing I sh I would have done differently now is that well because of my lawyer brain and my compliance oriented brain I I started with the legal formalities long before I had the product like a proper uh, proper MVP. But whereas what I should have done is that I should have built a a slightly less functional MVP and gathered uh, feedback on it. So I would say if when when you decide to productize your idea, make sure that there's demand for the product. I mean, uh, for my product, there is demand because people read the news and they know what happens. And I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who've struggled with these issues. But uh, for my industries, well, the demand might not be as obvious as it is, as it is with mine. So uh, that before creating a company and paying uh, 150 pounds to your accountant each month, you make sure that you actually have product or the demand for a product that people need. Yeah. So you need to first figure out the product market fit by either releasing your, you know, fun feature MVP, which people can just use and give you feedback. And that way it really good for you to do it. Exactly. And Bubble and uh, other uh, tools are very good for that. Bubble is good for web apps and Glide and Thunkable are good for mo mobile apps. Also, if with Glide, you don't have to pay an app store fee, so you won't be bankrupted by Apple. Oh, is it? Which, which one is that? Sorry? Glide. It's a, it's a tech agnostic mobile app, so you can just scan a QR code, and if you have an iPhone or an Android, it will get installed on your phone. You don't have to pay developer fees. Ah, okay, got it, got it. So they already have an app on the app store when you scan the QR code, that app would open, and then your app code install it. And then you can view it, something right. like that. It's not on an app store. You can just scan the QR code from anywhere and it will be already installed on your phone. Whether it's an Android or an app, a free phone, whatever. Ah, okay. So, okay. so talking about the apps then. So Expedite is the, uh, where it is available. Is it available on um, web, uh, web or, or yeah, app store yeah. or Android? 
yes, it's a web-based diagnostic browser-based app. It's not really feasible for mobile because people don't fill out customer circulation. So it's web, web browser-based diagnostic web app. Perfect, perfect. Okay, great. So I guess we are heading to the end. So we should wrap up now. Okay, yep. we're going into the lightning round now, and I've got six quick crowd questions for you. Sure. You know, try to answer them as quickly as you can, and uh, yeah, that would be yes. great. You ready for that? Absolutely. Great start. Let's let's start. So what's one of the best pieces of business advice you have received? Plan for the future. Make sure that you have enough money and enough time because it will cost more time and money than you expect. Wise. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? I would say the mom test. is It's quite, it's quite old now, but it's a very good way of explaining your idea to your mom. That's, that's what the premise is. If your mom does understand what you're doing, you probably don't have the best product. Indeed, indeed, perfect. What one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Sure. Uh, well, the founder is called Tanya Bullard. She's a femtech founder, and she spotted a problem uh, which affects 52% of the population, which is women. And that interview with her about her experiences and how investors refuse to back her because uh, women startups are a niche inverted commas. So that definitely stuck with me and how terrible that uh, the approach is uh, still towards female founders because they only get 5% of VC funding even to this day. And uh, what's really, really inspiring because she, ma- she managed to build a, well, a million dollar company uh, without any, any backing from such founders, such investors. Oh, nice, nice. Um, after we finish the six questions, I'm going to share something with you, but let's move on to the next one. Uh, what What's your favorite personal productivity tool? Okay, I would say HubSpot. HubSpot is a very good tool for scheduling your e- email marketing, and it's also a great custom client relations management tool. And I, th- I really like HubSpot. Perfect. I, I use it myself too. Yes, yeah. What's a new or crazy business idea you would love to pursue if you had the time? Sure. Uh, well, if I had the time and the resources, I probably I would not call, I wouldn't call it a business idea. I would call it a social initiative, social enterprise. Uh, it would uh, encourage. Uh, it would be in the early childhood ed- education uh, phase because it's so important. It's really a constructive person. I would uh, help more, more young girls uh, disadvantaged backgrounds get into tech, get into tech careers. So I, I'm not sure what shape it would take uh, and what technology I would use, but that's the initiative I would begin. Last but not least, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Uh, uh, when I want to relax, I enjoy cross-teaching Van Gogh uh, pictures. Ah, yeah. yeah. Is that is that your one of your passions outside the world? Or? Uh, well, it's something I really enjoy doing. I, I really enjoy completely starry night. It took a lot, but the cross-teached version is beautiful. Great stuff. So the, the moment when I paused in the middle of the question that I mentioned that I'm going to mention something to you is uh, I interviewed uh, another founder from um, you know, upgrading. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that was something uh, similar on the open empowerment part. So I would definitely encourage you to connect. I did, and, yeah. Next week. There you go. Keep on helping each other. That's nice. Amazing. Yes. Awesome. Great. 
Well, Jake, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story and packing the last, you know, few years of building this business and some of the ups and, and downs. Yeah. If, if you want, if, if people want to check out Exponite, how would they do it? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn at the Undercate Hanover, or they can go to expoditeapp.co.uk. Okay. And if they want to connect with you on LinkedIn, what's your handle? Uh, yes. My call is... Uh, I think it is uh, Kate Sohanova, one word. Okay. Okay. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your inspired journey and the impactful work you're doing. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on our Stories podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure. Glad to be here. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of our SaaS Stories podcast. I hope you found our conversation with Kate insightful and inspiring. If you're a founder or industry expert interested in sharing your story on our SaaS podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. Simply email me at ash at artcircles.com and let's connect for a potential interview opportunity. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on future interviews with proven founders and industry experts. We have a lineup of incredible guests and valuable insights coming your way. Stay inspired, stay motivated and keep building.